So we're working here? All right. So I'm going to just do a little intro. There's a few folks that will be coming in uh, shortly. We're going to do a Bible study on the study of stewardship, using God's gifts for God's glory. And while we're waiting for some folks to come in, um, how many of you have ever had to teach or be somewhere and you're the guy? You ever had that? So I, you know, I was supposed to be here at 8.30 and I knew Charles would be here. So for some reason I dreamt last night that I didn't get up till 9.30. You ever had that dread? So I got up and I just want you to know that even in my dreams I sinned. I called Charles and I said, Charles, I'm just not feeling good. <laughs> so I'm just grateful to be here on time today. You ever have those... You wake up, you go, oh, I missed it. So I wouldn't miss this for the world. This is one of the, probably the most revolutionary things that I've had to learn in my life about being um, one of God's stewards. Um, in 2008, uh, some of you know I do commercial real estate. I advise a lot of people on real estate decisions. And in 2008, a lot of people lost half their fortunes overnight. And it wasn't the Great Depression, but it was definitely an eye-opener. And a lot of my clients, I made money off them. And for about two or three years, I couldn't make money off them because they didn't make any money and their banks were calling their loans. And, and it was the coolest thing. If you haven't read any of Randy Alcorn's books, uh, we went through a study called uh, Money, Possessions, and Eternity. If you haven't read it and you want to understand God's principles of stewardship, uh, so I, I had client after client come in pretty depressed. They were losing money. How many of you love to lose money? Raise your hand. Yeah, it's not that fun. But whose money is it? That's the question we're going to look at. But a lot of these guys would come in, and, and I was losing too. So I, I actually couldn't charge a lot of the money that I had earned two years prior because the bank loan was going to pay for my fees. So I couldn't be a hypocrite. I had to say, listen, this is hard for me too. But I remember meeting with people one-on-one, -on -one, and I would just say, so how's your health? How's your children? Do you, are they all alive? Because they'd come in, and you would think death had come over them. They were so sad. They were so gripped by the loss of all their future possessions, their retirement Anybody ever have an event like that? It's scary. Uh, I've made money and lost a couple times. I've had a lot and went down to, to nothing. And to be honest with you, I mean, it's, it's more fun to have some, okay? I'll be honest. But, man, the things that are simple you appreciate, like having no debt, having no uh, pressing matters. You know, when you, when you own things, they can own you, right? So possessions and money aren't all what it's cut out to be. So we're going to learn this morning about using God's gifts for God's glory. And I uh, just wanted to ask you this question to contemplate. Uh, God's asking you this morning and really telling you, everything that you have, I have given to you. So what is everything? Have you ever just stopped and thought? Maybe you've read Psalm 103, one of my favorite psalms. It's kind of a recollection of all that God has done. Anybody love that psalm? It's a great psalm. A lot of it's the intangibles. God who heals all our diseases. 
It's not about money and possessions and power. It's about the things that we receive from God, like compassion. But how about just to get you guys thinking, what are some of the things that you have that you think you have, but they're owned by God? We'll just take a couple minutes and mention those. Children, yeah, man. How many of you hold your children tightly and your grandchildren? I do. How about your siblings? You lose a couple. I've lost three sisters. I've learned to hold everything loosely. That's God's plan. He wants us to enjoy these things, but we're to hold them loosely. How about some other things? Good health. Man, how many of you have had good health and then when you didn't have it, like Dan Neff, when he was laid up on his back for about six months, think, okay, how's he going to make money? You know, but, but the church and people came around him and God provides. Those are times where God shows who he is. What are some other things that we think we own? Pardon me? A car, yeah. <clears throat> Unless you're a teenager and you don't have a car. It's your parents' car. Just remember that. So a car, what else? Come on, we got to go quick. A job. Oh, man, how many of us complain about our job? Sometimes. Maybe it's really hot right now and you're a mechanic and you got to work in 105 degrees. Man, I, oh, honey, I can't believe I've got to go to work today. It's so hot. But we forget God provided that job. I do the same thing. I have an air-conditioned office. It's hot there. Anything else? Freedom, yeah, boy, do we take that for granted, right? So freedom is a gift from God. This nation is a gift from God. The government is a gift from God. I mean, we could go on for hours, but we're going to go on a couple more minutes. I want you guys to think about it. What is it that you think you have that you try and control that's not yours? Bingo. I was thinking no one would say it. How many of us manage our time really well? It's for me, myself, and I. Right? I mean, if we're honest, if you look at your day timer, that's an old statement. I used to use a day timer 40 years ago. Now it's what? What do we use? Scheduler, our phone. I, don't, I can't keep a schedule without putting it in my phone. Like if somebody says, yeah, I'll meet you at 5, it's going in my calendar. I'll forget. Right? So time, we might think we own. It's from God. Every ounce of time, every ability you have if you're an artist if you're a singer which I'm not I could sing right now but I'm not going to be a good steward of my voice if I do that some of you have gifts of being a mechanic man I would love to trade a mechanic's work for whatever I could do I could make some pottery I could talk about management property management that's what we do I mean whatever gifts you have God calls us to use them and employ them for God's glory. Does that mean he wants you to give away all of your, your skills and not ever make money? No. But in this church, in this world, in our workplaces, there are going to be many opportunities for somebody that's in need. And God's going to ask you, not in an audible voice, but you're going to hear a need. Somebody's going to need a car. And you could go, well, yeah, well, I'll pray about it. How many of us pray about that? Yeah, that's easy. How about like, why don't, what's God asking you to give? Somebody needs a job. Well, that guy kind of, I don't know if I want to work with that guy. He's kind of scary, right? Dan Neff's got to deal with a lot of subcontractors. I mean, he's, 
you know, Andrew, sometimes you meet people in the trades. It's not that easy. You got to be careful who you hire, right? There's a lot of things that we take for granted. So this idea of what is everything, and thinking about that question this morning, we're going to see that God owns everything. Uh, I put in your outline some of these uh, I've left in there and others I haven't. I just wanted to read a couple things. All these things I have given you. So imagine God is saying this to you this morning. All these things we've talked about. He's saying that I have given these to you and they're not for your enjoyment alone. Your time, your money, your resources. They're not for your enjoyment alone. I've given these to you as gifts as to invest into the kingdom of God. I want to bless you and make you into a good steward of all my good gifts to you. You could think of Psalm 103 if you wanted to understand what some of those things are. We looked at money, our homes, our abilities, breath, our intelligence. Again, some of us don't have a lot of it, okay? We just deal with what we got, right? It might be other abilities that, that we have. Athletic ability. How can we use our athletic abilities to help others? And show them how to do it, right? Spend time with kids. Teach them some skills. How about the gifts of teaching and leadership? Children, grandchildren, wisdom, health, freedom, education. This, these are gifts from God. These are his. He created these things for our enjoyment. Forgiveness, compassion, love. How about a pool table? Anybody have a pool table? Okay. So I got a pool table about 25 years ago. And one of the ways that I uh, negotiated with my wife I, I said, we could use it as a table. I've always played pool when I was in high school and afterward. Great pastime. Instead of going to bars and whatever, I would just hang out with some buddies and we'd play pool. Not for money. Corey wasn't for money, really. So how could I use pool, a pool table, for God's glory? I have one in my loft. I can have people over. I can have young men over or families over. And we can play pool around that table. So whatever you have, if you have a swimming pool, you can have baptisms. I mean, the list could go on. I want you guys to be thinking about what you have that God has given you. Time being probably the most valuable to all of us. It's not yours. How about the Alaskan team? Uh, Joey and Amanda and their kids came home uh, yesterday. And I think about all that's lost. Alan and many others here that have taken their time uh, the Browns giving their children off to people. You never know how they're going to come back, right? That was probably risky. But to, to think about risking income for three weeks, to lose momentum if you're self-employed, to go meet with people who all they want is food and drinks, and, you know, they're just kind of fleshly. But to be able to go and give of your life for the gospel, that's, that's stewardship. And so many of us get this. Matthew 16 25 says this, for whoever wills to save his life will lose it. Whoever will lose his life for my sake will find it. This is the idea of stewardship of our life. I, I put in your outline, if you don't have them, they're in the back. There's about 30 of them if you want to grab uh, something to write notes on. One of the quotes that I put in here is from Randy Alcorn. Stewardship isn't a subcategory of the Christian life. Stewardship is the Christian life. Think about that. After all, what is stewardship except that God has entrusted to us lifetime talents, money, possessions, family, and his grace? 
In each case, he evaluates how we regard what he has entrusted to us and what we do with it. That's Randy Alcorn. Another quote, Larry Burkett, if you're older like me, he's a a money management guy from 40, 50 years ago. Uh, Great principles on stewardship. Uh, He said, you show me your checkbook and I'll show you where your heart is. Jesus spent much of his ministry teaching about how we ought to live. If we take time to study and understand his teachings on stewardship in the Bible, it will change how we live. It will change how we manage our time, our possessions, and our relationships. Think about that. If you get this today, it could revolutionize your life. Many Christians today simply associate stewardship with tithing and making donations. That's an easy one, right? If God gives you money, if you have a salary, if you get paid, if you're self-employed, God wants us to give us his first fruits. But that's not all that we're talking about with stewardship. Billy Graham said this, we are not cistern made for hoarding. This is deep. We are not cistern made for hoarding. We are channels for, made for sharing. So everything that you have is to share. Jesus Christ said more about money than any single thing. Because when it comes to a man's real nature, money is of first importance. Money is an exact index to a man's true character. All through scripture, there's an intimate correlation between the development of a man's character and how he handles his money. That's a quote from Richard Halverson. So as we're hearing some of these statements, we're understanding, man, this is not that simple, is it? How about you who are retired? The world says you need to save everything up for when the end of life comes. That's in contrary to what the word of God says. It says that you need to give of your life now. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't save for the future. I'm reading a book right now for some of you older folks that are after 50. I'm 64. It's called Die With Zero. It's a secular book, but the guy's premise is that we shouldn't live our life to try and save money for the end when there's so many opportunities to share with others today, whether that's to build relationships, to build memories, to go on a mission trip, to take your kids to experience special things that you, you know, maybe you can't because you've got so much going to your 401k. I'm not your investment counselor, so I know that's in contrary to what you've probably been told, 10% to this and 5 but sometimes we get so tuned in to our savings plan, we forget that God wants us to hold everything loosely, even our money. <clears throat> Excuse me. The biblical doctrine of stewardship defines a man's relationship to God. It identifies God as the owner and man as the manager. God makes man his co-worker in administering all aspects of our life. We can see this. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians 3.9. God makes man his co-worker in administering all aspects of our life. Who would like to read that for us? 1 Corinthians 3.9. Thank you. Thank you. So we are God's workers, fellow workers in one translation. You are God's field, 
God's building. So we're, we're in partnership with God, right? Everything that we have, it's to be stewarded with God for his purposes. Stewardship is not God taking something from us. How many of you, when you hear this, you think, well, wait a minute, that's mine, if we're honest. Like our time, that's my time. Maybe an example of something where we struggle with this idea of it's God's. What do you think? If we're really honest, what are some things that we might struggle to give God all of? How about sleep? That's a tough one to get. I mean, I want my sleep. God, you want me to wake up early? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's an excellent idea. So taking note of your time throughout the days, maybe do it for a week where you look at where your time wasters are. Anybody else? Vacation time. Yeah, so like... You don't want to give that up. Maybe to go do a mission trip would be an example. Like, well, okay, we only have two weeks. I don't know if I can do that trip because then we won't have time to do something fun. What you realize when you do that is the most exciting, most exhilarating time you've ever spent when you're serving others. Um, We took uh, just a quick example. It was about a two-week trip a couple times with my kids in another church, my uh, brother-in-law's church. We went to Mexico and built a house. And we thought, we had 30 of us, we thought we were just going to, we were like, yeah, we're the Americans. We're going to come in there and just give these guys a home. And they had nothing. They had a cardboard house and a cardboard area for a toilet. And when we were done, we built a slab, concrete slab, and we did a stucco uh, four-wall building. And to be honest with you, I would be embarrassed to give it to you. The quality of construction wasn't that great. Uh, but to look at these people's faces, to have 30 people come to their property and build them a home built out of wood and stucco, you would have thought we gave them the keys to heaven. They were crying. They were overwhelmed with gratitude. And a lot of times we, we miss out in life if we don't give God all of our time, give God all of our um, longings and those, those proddings that he gives us. Sometimes we sacrifice something really good for us for something maybe less. So think about that when it comes to some of the possessions that you have. Um, stewardship is our obedient witness to God's sovereignty. Think about that. It's what motivates the follower of Christ to move into action, doing deeds that manifest his belief in him. Paul's stewardship involved proclaiming that which was entrusted to him. What was entrusted to Paul? One is life, right? He, he was met. He met God. He met Christ. What, what did God entrust to him? 
take the gospel. I mean, that was it. He didn't have houses. He didn't have all kinds of things that he could give others, but he was given the gospel to go forth. We're given that same thing. There's a stewardship of the knowledge that you have in Christ. We're not to hold it tight. We're, we're to share that. So this morning, we're going to jump around a little bit and look at some scriptures and identify six principles of stewardship. These are things that it can impact how we live our lives, maybe the motivation of our life. So what is stewardship in the Bible? I'm just going to give you a definition. The careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. In other words, stewardship is managing and caring for things that belong to somebody else. The person tasked with this management responsibility is called a steward. But they can also be, also be referred to a manager, an agent, and an overseer. A lot of the words in the New Testament identify those as meanings. Biblical stewardship then also is known as Christian stewardship. It's the practice of selflessly managing everything we have. We've gone through all those everythings for God's glory. Not just to sacrifice for sacrifice sake, but to give up things for the good of others and for God's glory. That's the motivation. The chief end of man is to enjoy God and glorify him forever. If that's your motive for life, everything you do will have a different grid. It'll, it'll have a different way of, of uh, reasoning through decisions that you make. It's been practiced for thousands of years, this idea of stewardship, and its origins are captured in many Bible verses about stewardship of money, time, and possessions. So in your outline, we're going to look at the six principles. Here's principle number one. Everything was created by God. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Boy, that's kind of everything, isn't it? What's, what's involved in everything? The heavens and the earth. Everything in the heavens. Everything in the earth. You could add everything under the earth. God owns all that. He created all that. Do we forget that? We do. We kind of get busy. How many of you are in your, your calendars and in your you know, task list that you forget that God owns all that? How many of you, instead of waking up earlier might reconsider, God, help me to steward the time that you've given me to do all these tasks. Some of you may, like, may be like me. You're task greed. You have task greed. Anybody heard of task greed? So I'd wake up on a Saturday morning. I've got five kids. There's a reason to have five kids. A lot of reasons, but working in the yard's one of them. <laughs> so... I would wake up, I'd think about it Saturday or Friday night, and I'd have this list of like 30 items that we're going to get done. <laughs> I'm an optimist. <laughs> and my wife would look at that list, Kathy would look at it and go, honey, we're not going to get that done. And I thought, yes, we will. You know, I'm going to will it, right? No, we need to ask God to give us the mind for what we're to do. We don't have to like have a strong will and an independent attitude as it comes to our task management, our life, raising our kids. This is not about us doing what we can. It's about, God, what is it that you will for me today? So for my kids, it might be teaching them work ethic. Well, that doesn't mean do everything really fast and don't teach them how to do it. It might mean splitting wood and showing them how to bring that bar down and keep their fingers away so they don't snap their finger off. But if I just said split the wood and I go over here and rake leaves, what good is that? 
Sometimes you have to take the time to teach your kids and, and help others and not just be a task manager. Uh, I struggle with that. <clears throat> I'd rather just tell people what <laughs> to do and go do my thing because I can get more done. If you're doing your stuff, I can do mine. It's, that's not the way it always works. Discipleship takes time. Stewardship takes time. Helping people, teaching people, having people follow you. Look what Christ did. You think about the disciples. What, how many of you like fishing? We've got a few fish. Okay, I, I learned fly fishing about five years ago. Don't do it, okay? You'll be broke, okay? <laughs> if you've ever fly fished, you need waders. You need wading boots. You need gear. You need rods. You can't call them poles because that's wrong, okay? If you're a fly fisherman, you need to know about all the different fly weights. There's probably a thousand names for different flies. There's slump buggers and bug suckers. and I mean, there's just so many. I made that one up. So there's so many things to learn. It's like, man, I don't have enough time to learn this. I'm still a beginner at it. I've gone to Montana on these amazing trips to fly fish. I fly fished, you know, a couple ponds and lakes. And uh, what, uh, where was I going with that thought? Um, everything we have, it's going to take time to learn. And you, you can't just do everything with speed. God wants to use our time. You have to ask God to give you wisdom. Give us a heart of wisdom, oh God. Teach us to number our days. These are the things we need to be praying. Not, can I get 40 things done? I, mean, I, I still am going to ask that. But in his will, you know, I, I, I think we're less disappointed. If you always want to get 40 things done, how many happy people do we have? How many people are joyful when they can't get things done. It's frustrating, right? Our joy needs to be in Christ and what he gives us for the day. Ask him. Before creation, there was nothing. Think about this verse, Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Before creation, there was nothing. Think about that. Have you ever just tried to think about that? It's hard. Nothing? Before creation, there was nothing. Then cre God created everything. So all that we can see, everything that we can touch, everything that we can feel, as well as the things beyond our natural senses are his. So if you like rivers, if you like lakes, if you like wood, trees, mechanics, you know, if you like steel and bolts and, you know, if you're a homemaker and you like crafts and you like kids and you, <laughs> sometimes they're, they're hard, right? There's a lot of work, but man, there's a great reward with kids. It's hard. It takes stewardship to raise kids. But 40 years later, it's unbelievable. It's not easy. It's still, there's still problems. But there's incredible blessing from good stewardship of all that we have. Colossians 1, 16 and 17. Turn there. If you want to talk about a pervasive passage, something that encompasses everything that we should think about. Colossians 1, 16 and 17 says this, For in him, him is Christ, for in Christ all things were created. Again, all things, think about all things. You could spend hours and hours and hours to come up with the all things. Things in heaven, on earth, visible and invisible. Okay, so heaven and earth, 
you could think about all the things. There's the galaxies. There's the stars that he knows by name. There's so many other things in the universe we're just learning about, right? So that's one thing. That could take years to learn that, okay? So that's the galaxies, the, the heavens. How about in heaven? Beyond the heavens that we see, we, we have no, no idea. No eye has seen, no ear has heard all that God has in store for us. But think about these things. There's books that force us to think about that. Randy Alcorn wrote a book on heaven. You know, some people use license if it's not a biblical statement. But there's, there's good reason to think about, for example, in heaven. What if there's 50 other colors on the color spectrum? That's cool. Right? If you like chartreuse, what if there's another color that's brighter? That's a weird question. But there's a lot of things if we just think about what God has done and who he is and what he's capable of, we will be amazed. It should bring us to a place of awe and, and honor and respect. So visible and invisible. How about thrones and powers and rulers and authority? So he created all these things. When you get tired of your government and you're angry at the TV, like during COVID, I was yelling. I was, anybody like me? I was yelling at the TV. What? My grandmother used to do that. <laughs> she used to watch soap opera. Hey, you think she was Italian? She talked in Italian. It's not a good idea to, to talk at your TV. Nobody's listening, okay? But we get frustrated with our government. Who controls it all? Who created it? Who gave us the government? Who gave us the police? Who protects the police? Who gives us the government and military? All the protection we have, we take for granted. Praise God for that. Thank God. <clears throat> Powers, rulers, and authorities. You can think about a lot of things. Teachers that we've had. Professors, rulers, kings, queens, governors. The Senate, all these things God has provided to us to praise his name, to glorify him. Even, they, even though they do it imperfectly, it's still in God's purview. He is sovereign. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him, in him all things hold together. That's a comfort. All these things that we worry about in our government, he holds them all together. He's... Over all the nations. The nations are a drop in the bucket. Anybody have a drop in the bucket? It's not much. It's, the scriptures are telling us God sees all these things that we might see as problems as nothing. It's nothing to him. So everything was created by God. That's first principle on stewardship. Understanding that God created our world is foundational to understanding biblical stewardship because it provides meaning behind everything around us. I got a Facebook. Uh, I'm not on the Facebook very often, but I got a notice on my email. When I say not very often, maybe once a week just to check in on somebody. And this one guy that I went to high school with sounded like he was in despair. And I didn't like him very much. He was on our football team, and he was kind of a bully. And so I, I didn't really want to respond. But it was a kind of a despair post. He said, you know what, I'm not sure why I'm here. I'm really getting tired. He's my age. 
and he seems to have struggled a lot. And I, I'm, I'm preparing for this, and I got that notice, and I sent him a, a note, and I shared with him some of these thoughts in Facebook. I don't know. His name is Joe. You can pray for him. I don't know if he'll get it, but I just said to him that, um, that he needs to give his life away, that his life is here in stewardship from God and that everything he has is from God. And if, if you want to live a life of purpose, he was, he was lacking purpose. You've got to give your life away. You've got to just say everything's God's. If I have time, I'm going to give it away. Now, do I do that 100% of the time? No way. Do I have a mindset of that most of the time? Absolutely. But I still fight my flesh. You're going to fight your flesh on that. So if you can have this meaning, if you can have this perspective that everything was created by God, even your time, even your schedule, even your kids, <clears throat> you will hold things loosely. <clears throat> you will hold things in respect to God and do things for his glory because all of his creation belongs to the creator only God decides who will oversee what he has made. There was a purpose behind God's creation of the world, and part of his plan involves us being faithful to manage what we have been given. So that's number one. Everything was created by God. How many of you have been managers, manage anything? Okay. What are some things that managers have to do that are unusual? And hard. Be honest. Ah, oh, man, you got to be honest to be a manager. Okay, so integrity, it's really important. Oh. Yes. 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 So you have to call out things. I learned something about two weeks ago that was really, really helpful. I, I hired a management consultant to come in and help me with the team that I have. And um, his, his goal is to help me see things that I'm doing wrong, that I'm doing right, that our team's doing wrong, find bottlenecks, just help us with efficiency. He's a Christian brother, and he's coming in and he's telling us things that are common in businesses and helping us to see the foundation of a good business. And it's been enlightening. One thing uh, he had us do is look at five characteristics of a good team, and one of them was conflict. How many of us love conflict? Managers deal with conflict. We manage about 30 properties, uh, our company does. It's about a million and a half to two million square feet of industrial property. And I can honestly tell you, Dave Beal, I wish he was here because he... He, he has texted me several times, it's the weirdest job I've ever had in my life. And he means that because it's just weird. We have a bunch of vendors, people that do services for us. They don't call us back. They, they won't, they complain when we give them work. Like it's a good thing to pay people, isn't it? But they don't call us back. They won't follow up. Hey, could you do this job? And if you do the job, could you just text me a picture of it? And when you do, could you just tell us when it's done? And can you speak to this person just to let them know you're going to be there? All simple things. And how many, what percentage do you think that we get of people that do that? Almost none. So it's frustrating, right? But being a manager, you're going to have to deal with conflict, okay? 
And we learned in this management consulting that there's good conflict and bad conflict. I know I'm getting off topic, but it's all about being managers, okay? You're going to have good conflict and bad conflict in your families, in your relationship with your kids, with your grandkids, with your co, your associates at work. What's bad conflict? Anybody? Okay. Yeah, so maybe conflict for the sake of conflict, being combative, being a fighter, wanting your own will, having the wrong motivation. What's good conflict? It solves problems. So, but what if you're like some people, I'm not one of them, that hate conflict, that, that avoid confrontation? I, I don't know why, but I love confrontation. I'm weird, huh? Now, I don't mean like, let's fight. I just like to solve problems. Okay, wait, you're mad at me? Let's talk about why you're mad. Oh, well, that's okay. I remember I, I, I managed this one house. It's a quick example. Managed this one house, and I inherited this guy uh, who was a tenant. I bought the house. It was a small house in Roseville. His rent was $1,000 a month. I'd never met him, but he sent rent checks in, and he called with complaints, and he just complained all the time. And he told me he was a, uh, a football player and he was a coach of a football. So we had a lot in common. I like football. And so we talked a little bit. But he just kept whining and complaining. I said, where are you? I called him one day. And this was after my. I don't do this on the second call. You can call me. I won't get mad at you. But I, but I actually called him up. I said, where are you right now? I'm, I'm at the house, he said. So I said, could I come over? He goes, yeah. So I go there. And again, he's mad at me. He's upset with me. He thinks I've done something wrong. I, I walk up. The door, he's twice my size, probably 6'3", 250. And I looked him in the eyes and I said, listen, I'm not here to fight you, but we're not going to do what we continue to do. You have this house. You have to pay rent. I'm happy to let you out of your lease. What do you want? If there's one question you could ask people, best thing I've ever learned, ask one question. What is it that you want? If you want to solve conflict, everybody's got some ulterior motive or whatever. He looked, at, he looked me in the eye and he goes, I, yeah, I just want, I'd like this and that. I go, well, that's easy. What if I give that to you? Will you stop calling me? Now, it wasn't like I don't want to talk to him, but he was just whining and complaining and I want happy people to call me. Hey, thank you for letting me use the house, you know. But after that, we became friends. I bought some, he, he did uh, stereo equipment. I bought, I thought, you know what, I need to befriend this guy. He's my tenant. He could have killed me, you know. But I, I don't know why I'm not afraid in those situations. I've been in situations I shouldn't be in. It's not like I know karate, but I'm not afraid. God can give you that. God can give you the ability to be bold in public and share the gospel be, and, and not be afraid of people throwing insults at you. Um, really off topic there, but everything was created by God. You're a manager. And when it comes to managing everything that God has given you, it's going to require conflict. It's going to require listening. It's going to require patience. It's going to require good stewardship. So what's, what's number two, another principle? There's, there's many others, but I just came up with six. Everything belongs to, the, to God. Everything belongs to the Lord. That's number two. Uh, 
Psalm 24.1, if you want to look throughout scripture, it's clear. The earth is the Lord's, everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Man, that is everything. Even the people. How many of you have people that you'd like to own, that you think you own? I know that sounds really strange. What are you, a manipulative person? You want to own people? Well, my kids, I didn't want them to grow up. When they were little, they stepped on my toes. When they're big, they step on your heart. And, and I just want them to step on me. You know, I just want to have them near me. But you got to let them go, right? God wants you to hold everything loosely, everything in it, the world and all who live in it, your children, your relatives, your co-workers, everything is the Lord's. The heavens are yours, and yours also the earth. You founded the world and all that is in it, Psalm 89, 11. These are the foundational ver verses about stewardship. According to King David, everything belongs to the Lord. This is also backed up by God's statement in Job 41, 11. Turn there, 41, 11, Job 41. <clears throat> Who would read that for us? Job 41.11. Andrew, real loud. Yeah, whatever is under the whole heaven is mine. Everything under heaven belongs to me. How many of you today, that's the first time you've ever thought, like, I own a car, is it God's or is it yours? How many of you... This is new, that everything belongs to the Lord. Anybody? Isn't it semantics? Don't we think we own things? Like if you get a pink slip, I own the car, right? There's things that make us think we own things. How about if you have a house and you have a mortgage, you don't own it? Um, quick example, uh, during 2008 when everyone was losing a lot of real estate, and values of homes went down to 50%. I had one piece of property that I had, that I was perfect on payments, told the lender, hey, I'm good, I'll keep paying, let's you know, wait out the market. They did a cash call, they said, okay, if you wanna own it, the value is 50% of what it was, let's say it was worth 800, today it's worth 400,000, you need to give me 200,000 cash in order to qualify to keep that loan. So what did I learn about uh, building ownership on that day. The bank owns the real estate. If you have a loan, you don't own your house. So what I learned is, okay, first of all, sir, I don't have 200000 I used to have a line of credit on my house. I don't have much debt. And I had a line of credit, but all real estate people, they took, there was some memo in 2008, 2009. If somebody's in real estate, take away their lines of credit. And that's what happened. I had a line of credit with Wells Fargo Bank, 250000 I had lots of equity, took it away, can't use it. What? This is the hardest time I've ever had in my life. I can't use credit? No. What do you do? I had to give the building back. I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to fail. I wanted to be a good steward. Whatever, who cares? How many of you have had a lot, when you lost it all, you realize life's still amazing. God is still giving you so much. Your breath, your life, Acts talks about the places we live, the places we work, 
your breath, everything you have is God's. If you lose everything, you still have everything. The everything that we think we lose, God has given us things that can't be taken away. Anybody know the, the quote from Jim Elliott? It's a good one to memorize. Say it if you know it. He is no fool who gives away what he, what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. This is a man who had a great life, decided I'm going to go be with the Alka Indians to give them the gospel. And what happened? They killed him. Now that's incredible. What's even more incredible is to follow up the story of his family, his wife, and his kids, what happened later. That takes faith. That takes stewardship. Even my life is not my own. People, when they get that, God can use them. If, if you're sitting on the sidelines wondering, why, why are things so hard for me? Why, why don't I have a lot of blessing in my life? It seems like so-and-so, you know what, maybe you're doing this. God's going to test you. If you lose money, are you still grateful? If you lose a child, are you still grateful? If you lose your health, been praying for a number of you that have had some health concerns. Many of you prayed for my sister. Uh, she lost her health, and she needed a heart and two lungs, and she died. The most grateful, peaceful person I've ever met. I, I don't even know how it's possible. I mean, I do. But, you know, when you live with it firsthand, this was somebody who was a lesbian for 40 years of her life, gave her life to Christ when my dad died in 2012, and said, I want to see you again, and then committed her life to Christ in a prayer with my wife and I and a brother-in-law and sister-in-law. And for 10 years of bad health, she, all she could do was call me. She was one of my best friends. I'd, call, I'd give her devotion, and I'm thinking, I'm going to teach her. I'm going to just help her because I, I know a lot. I'm going to help my sister. Idiot. She taught me. She would go, yeah, Jim, God's just teaching me to be patient. Without breath, without lungs, without heart. How are you doing? I got a verse for you, but how are you doing it? I mean, she was teaching me. I thought I'd disciple my sister. Mm -mm. So if you have health, praise God. If you're losing your health, wait on God. God sometimes has to crush us more, lower us more before he can use us. It's okay. It's okay to be crushed. I don't like it, but the nearness of God becomes your good in those times of crushing. When you can't even wake up without pain, what do you do? Do you think about your house and how clean your house is? No. Do you think about your car and wanting to wax it? No, you're just trying to wake up and, and maybe get some food in you. Your breath, everything you have is a gift. Everything belongs to the Lord. When we understand that our lives belong to God and that we're simply managers working on his behalf, we can begin to understand that there is greater meaning to living than just living for our own gratification. Isn't that, doesn't that sound like the world today? Living for our own gratification. Get as much as you can. Now, don't we get caught up in that? How do we get caught up in that? Like, gosh, everybody seems to be getting this, and there's new cars and houses. and Do we get caught up in that sometimes? Apparently not. 
<laughs> we do, don't we? Um, <clears throat> well, that leads me to number three. God has called everyone to be good stewards. So some of you might think, well, I'm not a pastor. I'm not anybody that important. I, you know, I don't have an important job. I don't need to be a steward. God's not going to call somebody like me. All I do is tend to a garden, right? All I have is a gift of a green thumb. How many of you have a green thumb in here? Not many. I'll guarantee you that. I know some people here that have been saved by God. Stop me things. New believer in Christ, so far from God, so sad. And to have her come up to me. This is Corey's mom. It's it's unbelievable. God saves us, and he's going to use whatever gifts we have if we're willing to use them. If you don't have money but you can help somebody with a garden, go help them. If you don't have money but you're really good at cutting wood, go help them. If If you don't have a lot of money but you're a good educator, go tutor. Go mentor people. There's so many things we can do. It's a question of perspective. God has called every one of you to be good stewards. Genesis 2.5, the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. That's it. That's that's the beginning, right? He didn't say, I'm going to make man, make woman, make all this stuff and just say, go enjoy, go on vacation. Did God say that? No, he said, Subdue it. Go in there and work the land. You know, there's, there's beauty in work. I had one employee recently complain about me as an employer. He's a believer. Not me personally, just like, man, there's a lot of work and blah, blah, blah. I go, I'm not your employer. God is. We work unto the Lord. And it was like, it shut his mouth. If you're an employer, just use that. It works. Because <laughs> sometimes we forget. I don't provide the work. God does. Who am I to say, God, I don't want work. God, I don't want crime so I can go out and be a police officer today. God, I don't want more construction. I'm tired. I want to go on vacation. Be careful what you grumble about. God gives us good things. We still have to manage our time and manage our resources, manage time with family, with work. All those things are are part of stewardship. God has entrusted us to oversee and manage his creation, taking care of our planet, the environment, animals, Uh, Those were the first tasks God uses to teach responsible stewardship. Do we then take that creation and start to worship the creation like we're doing now in our society? When you worship it, you hold that up higher, dolphins higher than humans, you know, trees higher than development. I mean, there's a lot of things, if you get this out of whack, you're in trouble. 1 Peter 4.10, each of you should... Use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its form. So what does that mean? Whatever gift you have received to serve others. What are some gifts that you've received to serve others? Pardon? Knowledge? Okay. Knowledge of Scripture, the gospel. So... Being responsible to share the gospel with people at work, in your family. It's really hard in the family, isn't it? Sometimes it's dangerous. Any, any other gifts that you've been given to share <clears throat> that you've received to serve others with? 
Alan, what do you think? Oh, not that one, Alan. Time. How many of us have less than 24 hours a day? Some people act as if they do. I, I don't have time. How many? <laughs> I laugh because I say it all the time. How many of you think you don't have time? You have the same amount of time that I have. I have 24 hours. How about you? Okay. The worst thing someone can say to me, if you've ever had a place of position in life, maybe you have a lot to do at work, maybe you have a lot of children, the worst thing for me is to have somebody come to me and I know they have a problem, they say, I know you don't have time. That breaks my heart. Because I don't. But I need to make time. Like, in other words, if I'm so busy that I'm not available, what good am I? To my wife, to my kids, to my grandkids. What if you're so important because God's given you so many important things that you're worthless to your family? Shame on us. Shame on me. What if there's kids in Alaska who are dealing with incest and alcoholism and drug abuse, and we say, you know, it's too far. It takes two days to go to Alaska. That's a lot of work. I'm going to lose like two weeks of work. I can't do that, God. That's just too much. Who owns it? Who owns your time? How many hours do you have? We all have the same hours. Think about these things. What if you have a talent for finances? <clears throat> Maybe you, you've led, like Corey has, a financial uh, workshop, and you understand that. You've actually applied it, and you saw how all your debts were gone in a year because of faithful stewardship. Share that. If you know maybe how to draw or maybe how to, um, you're a mechanic or maybe you're into software, maybe you you're know really well how to clean and you're really efficient with cleaning. Maybe you're good with software like Terry is. She makes things beautiful. Maybe you're good with design like Kathy or Joy where you just, whatever you have, make things better. Help others make it better. Use everything you have, every talent you have. For God's glory. You could help others learn how to be good stewards of money. You could help them learn how to use clay. You could learn how to help them to learn how to use color. I mean, the list is endless. These practical steps will allow you to serve and help and improve the lives of others. How about number four? Principle number four, Christian stewardship can result in growth. We're going to have to move quickly. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. That's Genesis 1.28. That which is healthy normally grows and reproduces. Part of the Christian stewardship mindset is our directive to gratefully use God's gifts that the Lord has given us to increase and multiply those gifts for God's glory. What's an example of that? How can we multiply gifts for God's glory? <clears throat> Must be still pretty early. Pardon? Yeah, teaching your kids. How many of you love to just like teach your kids things? Because they just love to learn. Like how to clean your room. I love to teach my kids how to clean their room. It's like, okay, so here's the dresser. And, and they just love to clean the room. No, they hate it. My kids hated it. Let me give you, you parents some encouragement. 
the ones that hated it the most in my family, when they went to college and there were like six guys in a dorm or in a, in a house, they were the cleanest ones there. They ended up cleaning and going, who's that kid? He <laughs> Where'd he come from? They're learning. They don't always apply it, but they're learning. You know, th there's, a <laughs> there's a lot of things where you think that you're trying to be a good steward and nobody's listening. Nobody's following. So, yeah, teaching our children. Any others? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Great example. Yeah. That's a great example. So the example was John MacArthur setting aside a fund just to be able to help people. God will bless, if you will be used by God, God will use you. If your hands are like this, if you're clinched, if you hold your children tightly, it's harder for him to use you and your children. You've got to hold them loosely. You've got you to share them with the world. That's risky. You've got to share your possessions. How many of you love to lend things out? <laughs> I've done it. I've done it, I think, three times. No, I've done it more than that. I had a... Uh, I, I had a pressure washer that I lent out, came back, the oil was gone, didn't work anymore. Small thing. I, did I say anything? No, person doesn't know that happened. Could have been me, but I've learned, hey, if I borrow something, make sure the oil's there, make sure things are right, because sometimes you inherit somebody else's problems, right? Because it may have been lent out five other times. Um, so, yeah, things... Things of this nature take risk. God has called everyone to good stewardship. Um, number four, Christian stewardship can result in growth. Remember, this is the one we've been on. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Remember that. When you're, when you're worried about giving the last of your paycheck because you saw somebody in need, do it. Trust God. I've seen young people give away all their savings, and it humbles me. Some of my kids like, yeah, I'll give them that. They've got a need. Let's just give it to them. Well, no, that's everything you have. I'm trying to be a good father, right? They were teaching me. I, I need to have a heart like that. How much growth we see is often based on how much we're willing to give of our time, our spiritual gifts, and our resources. For example, if a Christian stops investing in their church community, they will often begin to feel disengaged and withdrawn. There's a thing called, um, uh, man, there's a word, uh, disaffection. Sometimes we don't feel like we matter and we, we isolate ourselves. We start coming to church and then, eh, no one talked to me. So maybe you just stop going to church and maybe 
there's not a lot of people speaking to you, and so eventually you just stop going because you just don't feel important. And then you, you disaffect from the church, from the people that you've known, maybe from God. What, what is this? You know what? That's not the economy God wants us in. He wants us to give our lives away. That's when you will find friends. One of the worst, one of the scariest verses I've read is to those who are rich. Have you guys read those? All of us, by the way, are rich here. You can't go, oh, I'm not rich. I don't need to listen to that. What's the verse? It says, if you are rich, be rich in good deeds. Be willing to give. Be willing to share. So if you've been given much, God says, hey, that can be a crutch for you. One of the ways that you show that it's not, it doesn't take hold in your heart and life is to give stuff away. Give your time away. Give your talent. Give your money. Whatever God calls you to. That's the mindset. Number five, we will be held accountable for our stewardship. Now, wait a minute. This is a little bit, this is a little bit heavy here. Number five is heavy. It's 10 o'clock, but we're going to go to 10.10. Is that okay? Anybody need to leave? Okay, good. We'll go to 10.10. Uh, <clears throat> we will be held accountable for our stewardship. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. I don't have time but if you could go home and read the, the parable of the talents, Matthew 25, uh, unbelievable lesson there. And the lesson is God wants us to invest. If you, if you hide and you hoard and you don't share, the, the judgment that comes is God will eventually give it all to somebody else in that parable. Um, read that. We will be held accountable for our stewardship. That's number five. Um, in that parable, one of the servants was afraid of losing what he had been given. So he hid his gold, hid his talents instead of investing it. His master condemned him for not being a good steward. What are some ways that we live in this mindset today? Where we just maybe hoard or not invest. What are some ways that we're tempted to do that? In, in other words, instead of taking some risk and investing and getting a return and maybe taking risk with people and resources and talents because we don't have the time or we don't think we have the time, how, what are some of the ways that we struggle with that? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yes. Great example. Yes. So, so having fear and anxiety about the economy can cause us to clamp down. I remember I was 100% commission years ago. Our, I think our food budget was about $1,000 a month with five kids. That was on a heavy month. And I remember coming home and saying, honey, you can't go to the grocery store. That's a reasonable husband comment, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, I was making nothing, so you can't spend anything. Well, how am I supposed to feed the kids? Look in the cupboards. Now, I didn't say it that way. Sometimes I did. I was afraid. I was like, Nyeh! You know, I was on 100% commission. Did I trust God? Yeah, but nothing's come in for three months. Six months. I went six months without making a dime. I went two years 
without making money. I had to sell things. I remember being in a situation where every piece of furniture I thought, could I sell that? What could we make on that? Hey, some people might look at me, my kids today look at me and go, Dad, what do you need? Well, hey, I've been where you are. I've had nothing. I've had to sell the coolest car for a dumb Toyota. <laughs> but God was saying, do you love the car or do you love me? I had a BMW 528. I was 24 years old, thought it was hot, shot. God had to take it all away from me in a year. And he made me realize, yeah, actually, you own everything. This is your stuff. And you could take it away, too. He did. And I was better for it. I learned to not trust in myself. So, yeah, there's, we have anxiety. The, the last one, uh, last principle is good stewardship will be rewarded. Colossians 3, 23 to 24, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not with human masters, excuse me, not for human masters. So if you have a job, don't work unto your boss. Work unto the Lord. If you have a house, take care of it as unto the Lord. If you have a wife, take care of your marriage. If you have a husband, take care of your marriage as unto the Lord. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. What a comfort that is. Everything that we do, we're serving Christ. Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Philippians 4.19, and my God will supply all your needs according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I'm going to leave you with two more thoughts and then we're done. Okay? Selfishness leads to emptiness. The reason we don't like to steward is we're selfish. Selfishness will lead to emptiness and more greed. But when we live a selfless life in service to God and others, God promises to meet all of our needs. That's a promise. First, in John 10.10, Jesus also promises to give us life of abundance. So we saw the six principles uh, in your outline. Um, For homework, read uh, that Matthew passage about the talents. That would be good. I'm going to just leave you with this quote uh, from Jonathan Edwards, and then we'll close. And this is really treetop. This is the big picture of stewardship, okay? This was in a message uh, many, many years ago. God is the highest good of the reasonable creature. And the enjoyment of him is the only happiness with our souls that can be satisfied. To go to heaven to fully enjoy God is infinitely better than most, the most pleasant accommodations here. Fathers, these are pleasant accommodations. Husbands, wives, children, the company of earthly friends. These are but shadows. Think about all the things that you enjoy and you love and you'd like to hoard. They're shadows. They're the things that you want to keep and collect. These are but shadows. But the enjoyment of God is the substance. These are but scattered beams. But God is the sun. Speaking of rays of the sun. These are but scattered beams. But God is the sun. These are but streams. But God is the fountain. These are but drops, but God is the ocean. God owns all of it. Think big. Think stewardship. Think ownership. 
think management. God owns it all. We're called to manage and use God's gifts for God's glory. There was one question. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Great example. Lots of Old Testament examples of stewardship. Okay, in closing, what one thing did you learn that is you, you definitely have to take it home? Just one. Like, i got to remember this. What is it? Yes. Don't get too attached. Great. That's a good one to remember. Anything else? Like holding things loosely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, wives, husbands, we get afraid and we cling. We start clinging when we're afraid. Be loose. Raise your hands to God. Don't grab things. Raise your hands to God. God, I don't have what it takes here. I might lose, but I trust you. Let's close. God, what, a, what an amazing God you are to give us all things to enjoy, but not for our own pleasure, to, to serve others, to, to um, display your glory. Father, you are the one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. You own the heavens and the earth and everything under it and in it. Help us to have that perspective this morning that we might see anew that we're just managers here for a time, that we might live for your glory, that we might live to give our lives away and not try and save it, but to lose our lives for, for your sake. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you guys for listening.